up, guys? John and Travis here with another fantastic intro to another fantastic episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. John, how was that? Uh, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think Drew's a funny guy. He's uh, got a good personality, and I enjoyed the interview. Yeah, we have Drew Phoenix. He is a black belt down in South Florida. Guy is hilarious. He's big on social media, posts some fantastic hilarious reels on his instagram page all of his links are gonna be down in the description below so make sure you guys go follow him because it is it is well worth the the follow he is hilarious man i i'm just waiting for his following to blow up even more especially because he does really relatable content we talk a lot about that in the episode so john what are some other things we talked about in this i'll tell you what i re- what i really enjoyed is from a person that is non uh technology orientated i even i understood when he was giving advice on social media and how you should do content you know, like I, even i thought that was super interesting and i was like all right i get it i got it yeah he goes deep into how to excel on instagram right now and how to be better at reels and use trending topics and so it's really if there's anyone out there that wants to grow their instagram following this would be a good episode for you to listen to whether you're a podcast or you just you just want more instagram followers reels are the way to do it and drew makes some great reels and gives fantastic insight on how to do reels also we talk about uh gym enforcers um what else dick dick moves in jujitsu and competitive jujitsu i liked uh anyone that has you know talks about stevie wonder that's a good guy very true very very true and we also, a big part of why we had him on too, is he is a Marine Corps veteran, combat veteran, and got to do some pretty cool stuff in the Marine Corps. So we talk about that at the beginning of the episode, being a veteran and how important jujitsu and martial arts is for veterans in the mental health, because a lot of veterans commit suicide because of lack of direction and they, they don't know what to do after their service. So it's uh, it's very interesting to hear his his take on it. So hopefully you guys enjoy it and it's, it doesn't throw you off too big of a loop from just jujitsu. So. so go ahead and give it a listening. Give us some comments. Yeah. Hit us up on the Instagram. Let us know what you guys think of this episode. Follow us on Instagram, Elbows Tight Pod, YouTube, Elbows Tight Pod, or Elbows Tight on YouTube now. Uh, and then all of our links to all of our socials can be down below. So make sure you guys follow us. And that's pretty much it. Johnny, got anything else? Nope. That's it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll catch you later. Peace. What's up, everyone? John and Travis here with another episode of Elbows Type Pod. I said I wasn't going to say that, you too. Did. And you I just, said you're it. You're so used to it. I'm so used to it. I'm trying to stop it. I already tell you guys that at the beginning of the episode, it's an episode of Elbows Type Podcast. <laughs> and then I repeat myself, it's an episode of Elbows Type Podcast. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, maybe we should stop doing that. <laughs> so, but today Isn't we it? have a very, <laughs> we have a very special guest, Drew Phoenix. How you doing today, man? Good, brothers. How y'all doing? We are Good. doing fantastic, dude. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. I'm excited for this. Your Thanks reels have me dying. Man, like <laughs> the first one I saw was uh the wrist lock one. You're a jerk. And that was, was my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, one. I was like, oh man, this is so funny. I shared it on our like Instagram and everything like that. I was like, it's nice. so funny because I like always try to wrist lock people and they're mm-hmm. like, dude, stop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even the technique. I'm like, oh, I don't even care, man. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. So Hello. yeah, right. In the key, so, especially. Oh man, I know. I uh, there's a Pete the Geek. He's his whole thing is like wrist lock the world, and yeah. uh, 
and yeah, he's like, he's, I see some of the things. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. And like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go buy that instructional and just mess with everyone, and they're probably gonna be really mad, especially when you come back. I've made it my mission to stop wrist locking people because they, that's all they, they, they just know it's coming nonstop. So I'm like, that's it. I gotta switch it up. <laughs> Come on, man! Wrist locks and heel hooks. That's the that's the way. Yeah, that is the way. <laughs> White belts, you got to get them right. Now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, learn. Hey, Drew. Let's go ahead and uh, before we get to know who you are, let's go and what's your beverage of the day? So I'm actually keeping it healthy today, guys. I got some kombucha. Yeah. I ate a bunch of fruits before training, and then today was my first day back rolling because my knee's been hurt for a while. So I was like, you know, let me just keep it healthy. There I you passed go. by the liquor. I was looking at it too on the way up. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to be a role model today and like that a different type of fermented drink today. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to have to try that stuff. I, I see it, you know, every time I go in the grocery store, but I'm like, I don't know, man. It feels like- Dude, it's I, I think it's uh it's definitely an acquired taste. It's like beer, right? It's like you might not like it right at first, but then it kind of grows on you. Like you mentioned before we started recording, the health benefits of it are, are great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like gut health and like makes you poop easier and all that yeah. good stuff. So you got to try it. I had an apple cider in Seattle. I was at a uh, purple. Well, I'm gonna tell you what. I had I had to sign a waiver because you could get like ill and die off of. It oh, I remember of, you telling me about the back the bacteria that was in it. it, and I always equate that to this drink. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> yeah, apparently so it's I, good bacteria it hasn't killed me yet. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been drinking kombucha? I'm going to tell you, like, when I was, back in 2012, I went through, like, this real, like, hippie phase. I was a combat hippie, and uh, <laughs> I was drinking kombucha and, and all that other craziness. We went to Peru, <laughs> did ayahuasca. Like, I was I was on it, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've only drank it a couple of times, and um, it, it doesn't really bother me too much. But I know people that, like, live and die by kombucha. They're like, no, you need to drink it, like, you know, 20 ounces a day and first thing in the morning. I'm like, bro. Chill out. You sound like a CrossFitter right now. It's like <laughs> that'll be our. Oh, and I actually, I actually won. This is interesting. I actually won a keg of kombucha. My first competition match at Black Belt was a no, a no time limit sub only match, and the winner got a whole keg of kombucha. So I dang, was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it good at least, or was it like you're like no wonder they're giving it away for a keg. <laughs> It was good, but like having it in the keg, like all it does is keep getting stronger and fermenting oh. more. So by the time I finished that thing, I was getting drunk off of it. Like, it was crazy. like I'm trying to be healthy. I'm over here getting hammered. Getting hammered <laughs> breakfast. You know what I mean? Oh. That's so funny. All right. Well, hey, uh, Drew, let's go ahead and jump into who you are and how you got into jujitsu and everything. All right. So, um, Drew, I'm Andrew. If the government's looking for me, I. Uh, <laughs> I was in the Marine Corps for five years. I got out. I started training jujitsu, and uh, got my. I tore my ACL in 2012. You know, went through nasty depression. Came out of that. Uh, got my black belt in 2020. Started my own school and been doing that ever since. Oh, I got a kid too. He's cute. Does he do jujitsu? Man, he's two, so he just like lives on the mats with me though. Like I always ah. had a dream that my kid would live on the mats with me, and. Dad, he, he, when he shows up, he's like, Daddy's gym. Like, <laughs> so that's a full-time job for you then, huh? Yeah, for sure. What, how did you get into jiu-jitsu? Was it in the Marine Corps with the, the Marine Corps combat? What is it? What is it called? Maps McMap. or McMap? No, that's not how I got into it. Um, <laughs> so my last three years in the Marine Corps, I did MSG duty. So that's a special duty assignment where you guard embassies. And I was in West Africa. Now, at this point, 
I didn't like UFC because I was like, if we're talking about 2006, 2007, uh, I didn't like UFC because I was like, what are they doing on the ground? Right? <laughs> Lo and behold, I'm black belt now. So, <laughs> so, I was, I, so I never liked it. But one day I got off a post and the Marines were watching Rampage versus Forrest um, for, when they fought for the title. And when Rampage lost, Joe Rogan asked him, he's like, why'd you lose? And he's like, he just whooped my ass. Like, what do you want me to tell you? So that like intrigued me. So I went to post that night because I had night shift like a couple of days in a row. And I just watched the Rampage Jackson, all his interviews, all of his pride fights. And in one of his interviews, he said, they asked him like, who was the greatest fighter? And he said, BJ Penn. So I'm like, who's BJ Penn? So then I go and watch videos of him jumping out of the pool and becoming the first American black belt to win the worlds in three years at black belt in Brazil. And I was like, what is this jujitsu stuff? So then I just started watching UFC like a madman. Cause one of the Marines that were there, uh, somebody, somebody sent them, sent him like all the UFCs. Like it was like, it was like UFC 100 at the time. And he had like up to UFC 90. So I stole that thing from him and I just was watching UFC after <laughs> UFC, all the ultimate fires. And I just got so fascinated with jujitsu. And then like anytime like the Marines would try to like, you know, wrestle around with me, like I'll be like throwing them in arm bars and trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing. And then a week after I got out, I started and then I was, I haven't stopped since. That's awesome. How long did it take you to get your black belt then? Uh, Let's say seven years total mat time but there was three years i was out after my acl that's still really good i don't know even come back after a major injury like a mcl that's like that's like a really really nice man like yeah that's good we've been doing it for what four or five years coming up on now we're just blue belts just blue belts we're blue belts which yeah, is, is, is is a good thing <laughs> <laughs> but so when you were uh in the marine corps that's so funny you mentioned about how you like pass things around because in the navy we have like hard drives right yeah i, I joined in like 2009 i, I like, know everyone... it's on those hard drives but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not, that's not this kind of episode <laughs> right but we'll pass around like they have like bootleg movies or whatever yeah. then you go to like the philippines and they have all like the the bootleg dvds yeah. that you could download and watching whatnot. people walk get up and walk yeah. around the movie yeah, the best. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's funny you mentioned that because that's the first thing i hit i have like i still have my hard drive from when like i was like a fresh sailor and uh it's like a one terabyte it has like ten thousand songs on it 16 yeah. movies i'm like man those are the good old days like hey bro you got a hard drive like let me let me copy your appointment yep. <laughs> hell yeah yeah <laughs> so what made you want to want to be a marine um when i was when i was about to graduate high school you know, lack of male role models, like my dad wasn't around, like my uncles, they, you know, they were, they were, they were around, but they weren't. Um, and I went to all the branches of the military. And when I walked into the Marine Corps office, I seen that, that one iconic poster we have, where it's like that, that one short drill instructor, like screaming at the dude. And it says, it does we don't promise you a rose garden. And I was like, what is this rose garden you speak of? And then it was like, if I could do the hardest branch of the military and I could do anything in my life. So it was a test for myself. And the uniforms yeah, look cool, too. I, I was going to say that. I, I didn't, I didn't want to, like, you know, pat the Marine Corps on the back at all. But, yeah. man, they got the sharpest-looking uniforms, bro. Whenever they came on board the ship, I was like, all the ladies like, oh, my God, it's the Marines. Like, that's, that's nothing, man. <laughs> you guys are like that, too. Don't lie. <laughs> no. Our uniforms are horrible now. 
you can't yeah. tell a, a sailor from the army or anything now. They all wear yeah. the, those now, camis. Now they're all they're all trying to be like the same color digis yeah. and, and whatnot. And I'm like, well, it's better because we had that that horrible blue digi camo for a while. I don't know if you ever saw that. I was of like, course. I was like, when it first came out, I was like, everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, it turns orange when you get in the water. Like, That's maybe ain't gonna invest that much money. Like, like you fall into the water, your ass you is dead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's, that's the quickest way to lose some sailors. They're like, we need to downsize. Turn those motherfuckers blue in the water. Yeah. <laughs> it was dungarees for me. Yeah, I started off with utilities too. What year no, no. did you join? Before you said that. 06? 04. 04? Yeah. I was so. from 04 to 09. Yeah, I joined right right at 09, beginning of 09, and uh, kind of the same thing. Like I was, I was a welder before the the Navy. I went mm-hmm. to high school for welding, and in 2008, when I graduated, uh, what happened? The the recession hit really hard, and oh, so yeah. like all the unions were like, I grew up in Vegas, and it's a heavy trade and construction town. So mm-hmm. once the recession hit, like all the construction stopped, and I was like, dang man, well it looks like I can't be a like a union welder. And so my my instructor at my trade school was like, hey, if you want to make this a career, join the Pipefitters Union or the Navy. And I was like, well, I guess I'll go talk to the Navy recruiter. And I walked in and uh, I was like, hey, I want to join the Navy. And the recruiter's like, oh, yeah, let's do it, you know, and yeah. never looked back. I loved it. I was, I, it, was, it was a huge part of my life. The reason why, you know, I have this podcast, like best friends and whatnot. And That's awesome. The, yeah. And the, the, the thing that astonishes me is how many veterans do jiu-jitsu or some sort oh. of like martial arts you know what i mean like our school is 90 percent veterans or active duty we also live in a navy town we live in bremerton so okay. it's like you know we have the the marines up here too for garden some stuff and yeah. so many veterans do it it's crazy man that's well, one of the I, questions i actually liked that yeah. you guys sent me why, why do, hmm? was why do so many veterans do martial arts why do you think that is Oh yeah, so I'm a, so y'all gonna see my nerd hat come on right now because <laughs> I'm a big nerd. Um, so, Dr. Uh, Robert Moore he has this book called King Warrior Magician Lover. Are you guys familiar with it? Uh, I am not, and he's a big reader. There you go. Okay, so this book breaks down the male, the masculine archetypes, right? King Warrior Magician Lover. Now we all have them all in us, but you you tend to lean towards two. And it, depending on where you're at in your life, right? So, like, when you're growing up, you're probably, like, we were probably, like, warrior lovers, and now we're kind of transitioning into king magicians. So, like, think of the Ninja Turtles, right? Leonardo would be the king, right? The warrior, well, the, Leonardo would be the king, right? So, the king issues orders, right? He maintains order of the kingdom. Uh, Raphael's the warrior, right? He just takes the, the, the orders of the king, and he just executes, right? He just executes. Uh, Michelangelo would be the lover, right? He just loves everything that he's doing. Okay, and then Donatello will be the magician. He has skills. He's very skilled. He, he makes mm. magic with things, right? So, if you think that if you think about a person that will sign up to defend the Constitution versus all enemies, foreign and domestic, there is a warrior in you that just like wants to go out there and do warrior shit. Now. If you think about like the cartoons most of us watched when we were younger, it was like Ninja Turtles, like a lot of fighting. We all like Bruce Lee. Like it's like those, those, those just that something about fighting that just we just liked. Right. And I think it's so from reading the book, you know, and seeing like what the warrior archetype was, it's like you don't, you don't, 
necessarily have to be like an infantryman to like have the warrior archetype. You just you just a warrior in your spirit, which means that you just like to take action and you have, you like to be fighting something. So you take a person like that that joins the military when they get out, they still have to fight something or else we're going to start fighting ourselves, which is part of the reason why I feel like the the veteran suicide rate is so high, right? Because it's not only combat veterans that this is happening to. It's all veterans, right? So you think about it, it's like we have something to fight for, but then when we come out, we have no direction. So we just start fighting ourselves. Yes. So that's why jujitsu is so healing. It's because we get to have a place, a safe space where we can come to and there's people of like mind and we come and we exercise that warrior energy, get it all out. And then what happens after we train? We just sit on the mat and talk shit. Yeah. It's true, man. I, I I think it's there's you know, I always t- man, I'm starting really bad. You always hear about the therapeutic side of jujitsu, right? Like people people use it to, you know, release energy and whatnot. I definitely feel like before I go to class, you you shared this real <laughs> yes, right. like before jujitsu class, like you're angry, you know, everything road rage, you. you know. Like, yeah, you yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you get you get done with class and it's like everything hey, whatever. You know, it's it's it feels so good. And I know there's a couple foundations out there that help veterans, especially, you know, ones that from combat that use jujitsu and martial arts and whatnot for those therapeutic reasons. Cause it's, man, it feels so good. I, I think it's weird when you first start, like you wouldn't think that you like getting your ass kicked, but it's like, it's addicting. You know what I mean? Like you, you especially when you roll with a higher belt and you're like, dude, I'm just getting my ass kicked. You're like, but really, I just want to know how the hell to do this. <laughs> <laughs> or you're gonna be laughing if you're rolling with me because i'm always saying shit like what you gonna do besides piss me off and... <laughs> what you think you're doing with that that's like, what, I, that's I love I, you can tell like i just i love being on the mat and you're right like that therapeutic va- value and like they are companies like uh, my gym is partnered with we defy foundation yeah those ones so you fit a certain criteria and you get to train for free um for a year so yeah it's, it's just something about it where it's just like that you be pissed off and then you get on the mat and you get it out. I had to explain to my girl. She's like, she was watching UFC with me and she's like, how is it that you guys could beat the shit out of each other and then like hug afterwards? She's like, I don't understand that. <laughs> and I was like, it's just something about it. <laughs> it it's like, true. It's so true, man. And I think a big thing that in the military is that camaraderie, right? Like you go through yeah. adversity with each other. And so you build mm-hmm. this special relationship. Right. Like some of my best friends in the world are from the military and it's nice. We don't talk yeah. with each other all the time. We rarely ever see each other. But when you see them, it's like, you know, like, man, it's we've like we've been through some shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's family. Right. And I feel like yeah. jujitsu kind of fills that that void of the camaraderie. You know, like to me, that's probably the biggest thing. It's not only is it therapeutic, but it, it allows you to go through something with someone else and have that, that common value. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. Oh, well, it's, you see what they're made out of. You see it when you're on deployment, like you see what people are made out of, you know, mm-hmm. like you see who they really are. And you also get that in jujitsu because you can't fake it on the mats. So I just think nope. you get like that same camaraderie because there'll be people on the match. You're like, all right, all right, this guy, I'm done with him. You know, same way when you're on deployment, you're like, oh, yeah, like we're good. Like you can't hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. It, and it's like, it's funny too because you'll see these people that you're like, man, that looks like a tough guy, and then they get on the mat for the first time, and like you'll have just 
six months after training, it feels you it, day versus a day one that has no experience. You're like, there it goes right there. Like <laughs> I knew this was coming. You know what I mean? Like you can, mm-hmm. you can see like the baddest dude on the street and like, if they don't have any kind of training, it doesn't matter if you know the medals they've earned or anything like that. Like and once they step on the mat, it's a whole different world. And I, I love it, man. It is, it is so fun. It's like major pain. I, I love Ma- guys get destroyed by purple belt females. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just something about that. Like it just humbles yeah. you like, Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's one thing I haven't experienced. I've never rolled with like a high level uh, female, and I've been wanting to because I'm like, man, I just want to see like it truly when like technique just like overcomes all, man. Like that is like so impressive to me. And there's a couple of females in this area that are like brown and black and whatnot, but I just haven't had the experience of rolling with them. And I think it's like that's just a testament to jujitsu, right? Is like, or you like if you watch like military BJJ, uh, BJJ on Instagram. Like they yeah. always have like women beating up like other Marines and whatnot. I was like, yeah, that shit is so funny. Cause you know, in their head, they're like, Oh, I ain't, ain't got to worry about that. Like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember when I was a blue belt, I was going against this female black belt, uh, Sophia Armorante. And at this point, this one, uh, there wasn't a lot of black belts period, especially female black belts. So she was a Brown belt and, uh, in the worlds they did Brown and black mixed. Oh, wow. I forgot who it was that she beat to get to win the worlds, but like it was some, some, uh, some, some, some female black belt that was like multiple time world champion. And Sophia beat her and got promoted on the podium. So, I mean, she's like four foot nothing. Like she's small, right? But she is like the, the embodiment of jujitsu. So when I was a blue belt, we were training, right? And I jump on her back and like I, I put sink my hooks in. I'm like, yeah, I got her. And a split second, I crossed my feet, and her little leg came up, and I was like, "Ah!" <laughs> <laughs> right, but that was that was good for the ego, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah. Like, I'm not just gonna 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 smash her, try to outpower her. Like she understands jujitsu way more than I do. Yeah, it, it's incredible what framing will do. Like you'll feel like you're crushing someone, but if they got some good frames in there, it's like. Oh yeah, you ain't doing nothing. You're just tying yourself out. Like, go ahead, just just keep going, man. Like, you're just wasting all your energy and then make it easier for me after this. You know what I mean? Yeah, keep the elbows tight. Yeah, that's right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was what was your service like as as a marina? What's like the thing that you missed the most about it? I miss uh, the adventure. Mm. Right, there's a lot of shit that I did in the Marine Corps that I'm probably never gonna do again in my Same. life. Right. Like being able when, when I was when I was on MSG duty, right, when I was on embassy duty, being able to travel to these different countries with a diplomatic passport. You know, I got a black passport. I'm going in the diplomatic lines. Right. I'm living in different countries. Like I, I was in Africa. Then I went to China. Then I got in trouble in China. I almost got kicked off the program. And then I went to <laughs> I went, they, they sent me back to Africa. But I had a blast. You know, it's it's five Marines in a house. We have a house to ourselves. We had a maid, cooks, drivers. Uh, if we weren't working, then we could do whatever the hell we want, like within reason. But it was it was a blast, like being able to do that. Like I'm never gonna work for an embassy again in my life. I'm not gonna be a diplomat, right? So that it was just it was just such a cool way to travel. And I mean, war sucked. Right? I went to Iraq in '06. It sucked, but there were elements of it that it's like, damn, like. That was an experience, and it's something that I would never get to experience again, and it was pretty cool. That's that's one thing, too, that I miss about the services. I got to see Malaysia. I got to see Japan. Well, now we get to go to Japan yeah. still, but, you know, in the Navy, we go, we travel port to port, which is 
which is a lot of fun. A lot of times, especially on aircraft carriers, unfortunately, they stay out for three, four months in the ocean at a time, you know what I mean, without hitting a port. And then you pull in, they're like, all right, two days here, we got to refuel and get some food on, and we're back out, right? Yeah. No wonder you crazy when you get to port. (laughs) So they have a rule. If you're out for uh, 90 days straight with no port visit, they'll give every crew member two beers. So I spent a good thousand bucks buying people's beer one night. David, I mean, that's what you had to do. Yeah. And we got to see some pretty cool stuff, too. I mean, so when you're forward deployed, you don't actually go on like long term deployments like the nine, 10 months ones like other other things do or other boats do. But, man, we got to see some cool stuff like Malaysia was incredible. You pull in and it's just like nothing but small fishing boats and like islands everywhere. And the sun was hitting. And I was like, damn, this is so cool. But it's a Muslim country. Right. So the, probably the thing that I remember the most, uh, Kota Kanabalu is is predominantly Muslim. And uh, so I went to Burger King and I was like, yo, I'm going to get a I'm going to get a bacon cheeseburger in Malaysia and just <laughs> see how it is. Well, they don't serve pork. Yeah, so of it was not. bacon it was bacon made of beef. And I was like, well, this is interesting. You know, but I'm not, I'm never going to go through that again. Like to your yeah. point, like I'm never going to go to Malaysia, go to Kenabalu, Malaysia and have a burger. Or there was an Indian food restaurant that was like a, literally a hole in the wall. I'm pretty sure they beat the wall out of the way to make it an entrance. And we yeah. went in there and it's like heat lamped chicken and like naan bread. And they didn't speak yeah. English. I'm like hugging them. I'm drunk hugging them. Like, thank you so much for the food. It, you know, moments like that, I'm like, man, that was so much fun, but I probably would never do that again. Or do I ever really want to do that again? Because I couldn't drink exactly. like that again. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, was like doing the camel rides in Jabal Ali, and they bring you to some like water oasis and we just drink beer. Yeah, we'll never do that stuff again. Yeah. I, I've never done that, but that sounds dope. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a lot of fun. Where in Africa, West Africa, where was it? Djibouti? Or- I, was in Guinea. I was in Guinea for a year. And then I uh, went to China, and then I went back to Niger, and I was there for a year and a half. Dang. That's yeah. a long time overseas. Were you comfortable yeah, in all those three spots? Year, three years. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I felt the most uncomfortable in China. That's what I was wondering. I was like, where did you get like the uh, the vibe that you were the most uncomfortable? Yeah, because it was China, because Chinese people, they didn't really like anybody that wasn't Chinese. Huh. Right. It 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 wasn't like it was weird. But if they if they were trying to cuz at the Marines at the embassy, they uh they have like um people trying to get intelligence from you so like they they'll uh, bring back pretty girls around and they're like, "Hey, my mm. friend." Sure. You don't even know my name, bro. <laughs> exactly. They're walking up to me in the gym like because we used to go to the, the hotel gym and like they'll walk up to us and like, "Hey, my friend." Like, "Yeah, right." It's so funny when we pull into the Philippines. Did you ever pull into the Philippines? Nope. Mm-mm. So uh, the Philippines used to be a Navy base out there. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's like OPSEC, like operational security, not for people not to know when we're pulling in. And, bro, it, that shit don't matter. There's, like, vendors lined up along <laughs> the streets waiting for us. Like, ladies at the end of the pier. They're like, I was like... I was like, who the hell? They they know before we do. I didn't even know I was coming here. <laughs> this only takes weeks for you guys to set this up. I just found out yesterday I was coming here. <laughs> I think the most uncomfortable place I've ever felt is honestly when we go to Japan. Like we still really? go to Japan, yeah, because there's a lot of places that are like no American. Yeah. So you know they'll turn you away or they have no American signs. Like 
That's probably in, in Okinawa or, or yeah, no, Japan in general. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. uh, that happened to me. You can even go to Tokyo and they, they have signage. Yeah, no Americans. I was just about to say, I went to yeah. Tokyo and we were looking for like a steakhouse gentleman's club or something like that that we heard about. And we take the, we get in the elevator. We're like, oh, this is the spot. It's on the sixth floor. We get in the elevator right up, right as the elevator doors open, there goes security crossing his arms like, nope. And we're like, all right, thanks, man. Close the door and go back down, find a different spot. Yeah, there's uh, there's areas where it's Japanese only. They don't They don't want any any outsider whether it's from a different country or americans or or whatnot and what was crazy is i went to hiroshima and that was a crazy experience man because they have a lot of the stuff left over from when the atom bomb hit and i was, it was it was insane standing there because they show like when the bomb explodes and how far the radius was and i'm like standing there white man like all right <laughs> <laughs> Japanese people staring and looking at me. I was like, yeah. no, that was a long time ago, bro. We good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did the same thing. We were in Pearl Harbor. And you know, they got the Pearl Harbor like uh yeah. center you can go to there. So we went there, watched the the attack and all that, and then we went straight from there to Japan. I was like, man, just it was so weird. Yeah. The, oh, the, damn. yeah. the vast difference of it. So but you mentioned yeah. uh you you've competed a couple of times. Uh, what, how do you feel about competing in jujitsu? Uh, it's, it's like going on a deployment, you know, it's like you train so much to do your job or to do a thing. And it's like, you get to go test your skills. You know, I, I, I like competing. I encourage my guys to compete, but it's like, if you want to compete, you know, but I think one of your questions on the thing was how do I, like, when should they start competing? Now I'm the wrong person to ask that because my coach threw me in the fire two weeks after I started training, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I had one good takedown and I got my ass. <laughs> so I got to ask you, what's a walkover win? I looked you up on Smooth Comp and it was like one win by walkover. I, I don't know what that is. That's when uh, the guy signs up, he shows up, he weighs in, and then doesn't show up to the mat oh, oh well, do you think it because he saw you and he's like nah i'm, I'm good bro. <laughs> he saw me <laughs> that, <laughs> he's like not today <laughs> he probably seen me heel hooking everybody but, um because that that what you most of those do that because i only have one match at black belt on smooth comp but uh most of those is when i was a brown belt and at my school everybody kept getting leg locked mm. so I started learning leg locks from my boy Tony, who actually I he was my first super fight in Nogi. And uh I beat him by by points <laughs> on a takedown in overtime. But he tried to rip my leg off. So afterwards, uh afterwards I was like, yo, I was like, you gotta teach me leg locks. So I started learning um getting private lessons from him. And then I started learning leg locks and bringing it back to my school. So we're talking about April is when I when I started working with Tony. And then uh, that was in January when I when I'm like, you know what? I want to go test my my leg locking skills. So let me do an advanced tournament. Um, so I went and I went did a new breed advance at brown belt, and I was <laughs> I I think I got like three or four three three heel hooks that day. Dang! Yeah. Out of four matches, the first guy I went against, he was like, you know, we I beat him on points, and then the the last three, no. I, I beat the guy by points, and then this guy got me in an outside heel hook, right? And I'm looking at him, and I just I just had a brain fart. I was just like, uh, I'm looking at it, and like I'm I'm seeing my heel just go pop, 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 pop. And I was like, but I was so calm. I was like, tap. And then I just I just 
no expression, right? I just went to the side and I just sat down. And you know, my coach is like, like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And I'm just waiting. And I had no idea it was double elimination. So then they call me back to the Drew back on the mat. I was like, oh, okay. So now for the first time ever, I pull guard, right? Because I, I don't like pulling guard, but I pull guard. I was like, I'm not sitting here trying to do takedowns with my messed up ankle. And then I end up ripping apart this one dude's knee because he didn't want to tap. Ugh. And I let it go the first time. I let it go because I, I grabbed him. I had him in the full lock, fully locked heel hook. And I just hear his knee going crack, 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 crack. And I let it go. And and the ref was, and he looks at the ref. I didn't tap. And my coach is screaming at me, you should have let it go. Oh. And I was just like, but you know what I mean? I'm, in a, I'm at a new breed. Like, this is not like IBJJF or ADCC. Like, yeah, I'm going to hold this and break this kid. <laughs> all right. And so then I was like, all right. So then I get him in another heel hook and just cracking his knee. And then I just was like, I just let it go. And I'm winning. And uh, and then I heal, and then I got the guy who heel hooked me. I got him back, and then I won the finals. So that day I was just heel hooking everybody. So. That's so funny. Do you, do you think that there should be a certain level of skill or knowledge before they learn something like a knee bar, uh, heel hooks, toe holds, things like that, even wrist locks? Because wrist locks, if you if you react wrong, you're gonna break your own wrist in a wrist lock. You know what I mean? So I have this saying in my gym is like I heel hook white belts because my white belts know heel hooks. Right. So here's my here's my uh my theory behind it. I want them to focus on passing first, right? And get solid in passing before they start learning leg locks. But I'm not gonna keep the leg locks away from them too long. I think once you get to to your second stripe, you already understand the concept of not ripping submissions. Mm. And then at that point, teach you a straight ankle lock, right? Straight ankle locks are cool. Then when they're around like four stripe getting ready for their blue belts, then I'm going to start introducing them to heel hooks because heel hooks will fuck you up. Now, wrist locks, I don't really, I haven't really taught wrist locks since I've opened my school. I mean, I've showed people things here and there, but I haven't really, I haven't really done it, but I'm not, I'm also not opposed to a wrist lock. So do you have like a certain curriculum when it comes to your white belts? Like say you have a day one white belt. Uh, are you teaching that? Do they have like a beginner's class in your school or are they thrown in with a normal class and you just kind of pay a little bit different attention to them to make sure they understand it? So uh, just a little backstory. I got my, my black belt on a Wednesday and then that following Monday I started my school. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a blessing. The only thing is that we were, you know, hard knocks where like all the UFC fighters were like yeah. Kamaru Usman yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. All right. They all left and they started Sanford. So there was no jujitsu program in that gym anymore. So I took over. Right. So I brought my school. So I opened up my school under hard knocks. So the only thing that came with that is like limitations on the schedule. And now we we're going to end up it, our, we're, we're taking more of the lease. Like we have to pay more money, obviously. And we're getting a better schedule, and we're going to have a beginners and an advanced class. But right now, everybody just gets thrown in the fire together. That's how ours is. Everyone just gets thrown in together. That's fine. I think it, I think it has uh, pros and cons, right? I definitely see the benefit of a brand-new white belt going to, like, a beginner's class, learning how to shrimp, break, break fall, right? Like, knowing how to fall. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the very basic things of, like, a elbow escape, arm bars, you know, basic submissions to understand like how the mechanics works of a body. But then again, 
I enjoy when brand new white belts come straight to us. Like they're, they, you know what I mean? Because then they get to understand like the journey of jujitsu. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like they're like, Oh man, this, this feels like these guys are insane. But then again, you know, you go back and forth with it. Like they could be like, they could be like, Oh shit, I don't want to do this, bro. These guys are just kicking my butt. You know what I mean? So what made you want to start doing a beginner's class for, for new people? Because the, the, me as a coach, right. I have to be, I have to be mindful of who's in the, in the room. So I have a bunch of purple belts on this side, right. That need advanced training, but then I got white belts over here that barely know how to shrimp, right. Barely know hip escape or anything. So, and then me, I want to show everybody heel hooks because I'm such a damn foot nerd. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, and I've tried different ways of doing it, but like, I've seen John Danaher teach class in half of a gi, right? So he's looking like he's in Sambo. <laughs> yeah. There's a no gi class going on over here, a gi class going on. He's teaching them this. He goes to the other side of the room teaching them. I don't know how to do that effectively. I don't. I understand my limitations. I don't know how to do that. So I need a beginner's class where I can be like, all right, I need to focus on just showing them the basics. Can't show them heel hooks in this class. And then the advanced class is like, all right. Let's get into some nitty gritty, like, because <laughs> I've been in the game ten, like damn near eleven, twelve years now. Like, I, 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 I'm tired of showing people how to shrimp. You know what I mean? Like, I want to show them cooler stuff. Yeah, we we all started our school at the same time, so we all joined and basically day one, and so we all learned that the basics. You know what I mean? It was like, hey, here is a shrimp. You know, it was like two weeks of like shrimping and how to use a shrimp in a roll. And it was like, okay, here goes an arm bar. You know what I mean? It's like very, very like systematic. And uh, yeah. that and that's probably where I base my my opinion on the most. Yeah, I have seen some things though that I think uh, to your point earlier when you're talking about leg locks and and the ankle and all that. At our school, I think there was a at a certain point they were like didn't want to show that to anyone unless you were at a certain belt level. Yeah, which I guess is great. But when I was a white belt in Japan, do you remember that one guy? Uh, no gi, we were rolling. He must have leg locked me. I don't know how many times so quickly. I had no defense for it. So finally, I had to tell the guys like, "Look, man, you can do this the whole next half hour, and I'm not gonna know how to stop you." But I was thinking in my head, I wish they'd went over that with me at least on how to defend it when I was a white belt, because especially in no gi, like. They don't they don't care what belt you are. They don't even know. <laughs> so I was like, I mean, I was like, man, I wished. And then we did toe holds once. Yep. And I uh, spent a whole week on toe holds. And then it was like, yeah, but you can't do that unless you're a two stripe blue belt. And I was like, then what the hell did we just spend a week? Like, I want to go use it right now. I'm never going to remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I use knee bars right now and in, in, in open mat, like uh, on brand new white belts other blue belts like if i get a knee bar I'm, I'm locking it in and going for it or straight ankle locks or uh i won't heel hook in gi i train i train mostly gi but yeah, you know prison like rules. prison rules I, i've heard that before <laughs> the thing about it is like uh you can't escape because the pants create so much friction yeah. and with leg locks bro to escape you got to be spaghetti legging and and, and trying getting your leg out of places yeah, so in the gi, it's prison rules. Yeah, so what t- we always hear this prison rule thing. This is a great segue. I, I, what are prison rules wait, wait, to you? Uh, well, I should tell you, the first time I heard it is I threw a wrist lock on our professor. Who's a black belt. And <laughs> and I should say, I had only rolled with him once before because I was working in San Diego and I flew back. 
And I was like, all right, I, I want to be respectful. I hate when I roll with a black belt if I don't know them because I don't know how hard I can roll. Like, if I go hard, they're going to be like, this dumbass blue belt needs to slow down. <laughs> but I want to test it. I, I want to give it all I got to see what I could do. So I went light the first time, and he utterly demolished me. And I didn't like my showing. So in my head, yeah. I was like, if I ever get the chance to roll with this guy again, because he wasn't our professor then, I was like, I'm going ham. So I got to roll with him again months later and I immediately threw a wrist lock and he was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Prison rules. And then he beat the shit out of me the next five minutes. <laughs> I was like, Holy crap. I don't ever want to hear prison rules again. <laughs> so, so what are prison rules to you? Uh, it's it's just heel hooking in the gi. Like I, I don't, I, I, I say it like being funny, yeah. but I, I don't know. Like, like, like there's like a group of people that are like, these are the prison rules. Like, nah. All I say is just don't heel hook in the gi. Cause that's, that's a dick move like um but yeah that's that's the only thing just heel hooking in the gear i can't really think of anything oil else. checks <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> i know people that when you're in 50 50 they they sit they stick your their their toe their big toe in your ass and, you know just, oh, like hell that's not cool right? <laughs> we boys come on bro <laughs> you know <laughs> But uh, my boy Jamie, he did a, he did a leg lock seminar at my school last Sunday. He showed how to counter against that. But it's like that's a dick move. That's that's prison rules for, for sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like like, hey man, that's a one way street. Only leaving town. Get your ass. Leave <laughs> yeah. that shit alone. <laughs> yeah, but you know something? I'm gonna ask you guys, right? Because because uh, you know, talking about one my reels, and uh, I I I did a a remix of you. You seen that that one video where um. Gianni Grippo has a rear naked choke and he was doing ADCC trials and he, he jumps in the oh, guy. Who, he was yeah. on his back. And he like slams the dude's head. Yeah. So I, I created that reel with my cousin. Right. And we reenacted it. And like when my head hit the floor, like I made it look like, like, Oh, like I'm pissed off now. Right. Like, like I'm about to go fuck him up. So I was, so my question that I asked in the caption was like, you know, should you always leave it to the refs or when should you take matters into your own hands? Like, how would you handle that? Because I've seen people like, OK, I understand we're grappling and Gianni could have let go of the choke. But he didn't let go of the choke because he had a nice yeah. choke. Right. He didn't want to win. But slamming somebody face first on the mat because you fucked up and you you let your back get taken. I think that's just a dick move. Like, yeah, we're fighting. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a high level tournament. But I didn't think that was cool. I think I think that would, you know, that 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 would uh, make you deserve a punch in the face or something. Yeah. What you guys? Oh think? yeah, absolutely. I think there's still like even though we're literally trying to strangle each other, I think there's some sort of like minimum respect that you should have for each other. Like if someone taps, fucking let it go. You know what I mean? Like even if like. I don't know, because kind of like to your point, like if someone doesn't tap and you like you're like cranking on their stuff, breaking their shit and you're like, look, man, I'm not trying to like destroy your life for a five dollar medal. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like, I think there's like a like a, a mutual understanding of like there's like some yeah. sort of like personal respect. Like you're a practitioner. I'm a practitioner. I'm not going to slam someone on their head. We're a community. Right. Like who wants to be known as, you know. Orlando Sanchez, right? The guy that like almost broke what's his name's arm because he got the underhook. Yeah. Like that's a dick move. Like I wouldn't be down with that. And I'd be I would be thoroughly upset like if someone else like I don't I'm not saying we have to be friends, but like even if I don't know you, I'm not gonna do like something that is like a straight like asshole move. In my I feel eyes. like that's just all ego. Like you just got way too much ego. Like I just 
it's not in me to do that to somebody. But I, when I was at a competition last time, I did watch a guy tap and the guy let go of his submission. The ref didn't see the tap. So the guy just, even though we all saw him tap, he ended up going through, like the match kept going and ended up beating the guy. And the guy was like, he tapped, he tapped. And we all saw him tap. And I was like, damn, I get, but he was trying to be a nice guy and he let it go, you know? So I was like, I don't know. How do you handle that in your school? If you see something like that happens, do you kind of pull them to the side or are you like, yo, shark tank? <laughs> that shit don't happen yeah. in my school. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you never know. What? what if like someone drops in and then, you know, like you, do you have like a gym enforcer if someone starts, you know, kind of bullying oh, people or, yes. you know what I mean? Like, how do you handle something like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I have my purple button forces. I have my purple button forces. All right. I, I got I got my, my cousin. Devin, who's also my business partner, and then I got my uh, my other purple belt, Desi. They're like they look like Bebop and Rocksteady, like just wow. big, you know, big dudes, right? But but really good at jujitsu. And uh, I was like, hey, he needs some discipline. Like you know, I just kind of nudge him in that direction. Or I got Big Greg, who's like a giant blue belt, strong as shit. Like I'm like, hey, big. he needs. Like, I just you know, I just go right by him, and I'm like, hey, that guy needs needs some extra love. Make it extra spicy, you know. And so that's that's how I handle that, right? The visitor comes, they're being a dick, they're gonna get one of the enforcers and they're gonna get their ass kicked. Yeah, but I'm also gonna if 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 they can't do it, like one time, like uh, I think Greg, I sent Greg after somebody and he was like he he's gasping. <laughs> he's like, bro, I just got done. What are you doing, man? <laughs> and I'm actually gonna make a reel like this where uh, you know you know uh, at the end of Avengers, the second one where Thanos like walks in and the thing opens and he puts his hand in the infinity gun and he's like he's like i guess i just gotta do it yeah. myself. yeah I, I got that it's like ah, i'll just do it myself that's a good one i like that i like that we'll, we'll release this after you post that one <laughs> yeah i'm actually gonna do that i'm probably, I'm probably it tomorrow yeah that, that that's funny though because that's one thing we talk about is that you know especially school owners they talk about like you know i have a good community like usually our, our students aren't like that. It's like, well, what about the new guy or the guy dropping in? Like, then what do you do? Do you just stop him and say, Hey, we need you to leave. <laughs> like, like, no, I think it, no, but I will kick, I will yeah. kick somebody out. Like, because these are my, uh, my boy Gabe, he calls me his jujitsu babies. And like, that's how I feel like, like you as a professor, like the, these are your, your tribe. This is your yeah. family. Like nobody. Fuck like <laughs> one time, my brother, he tells, he, I, he, they go to open mat and, they in in some brown belt like fucks him up but he was just telling me just to say that the brown belt was like good but like you know like he just messed him up like he didn't he didn't make it he he, he wasn't very clear on what he was telling yeah, he wasn't me. like he wasn't like crying wolf or like like yo that dude fucked me up man you should get him <laughs> he just was like telling me just like general conversation like oh yo that dude fucked me up he did this he did that and me, I'm just like, <laughs> all right. So I, I didn't say anything. I went to Obermatt that next that next Sunday. It was a Sunday, and I fucked this dude up like wrist locking yeah. him. Yeah, he's just, like, what? What did you do this to me for? And he was like, he kind of had that look on his face, like, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking? right? And then my brother's looking at me like, he's like, oh, like stop, dude. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Hey, so when, when you do technique in in class, I thought this was an interesting question, kind of to the point of like being a little rough. Uh, our professor one time used me for 
uh, technique in front of the class, and he was trying to prove a point on how fast a submission will come on. I think it was a bow and arrow choker, something from the back. And he's like, I need you to escape from this. And I was like, what? And then he puts me in the shit, and I was like, <clears throat> I'm like, oh. I was like, in front of the whole class. In my head, the first thing I thought, I was like, I wasn't teaching. Like, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Like, why would you go so hard on me in front of people? And he's like, he's like, I didn't mean to do that. I was like trying to show how fast the submission could come on. He's like, but you didn't do anything. I was like, you caught me off guard. Like, what did you expect? Like, so how hard when you're like demonstrating, like, do you have those moments where you're like, look, I need to, I'm going to actually put it on you so you can see like, so everyone can see like the shit's quick. Like you gotta, you gotta make sure you move if you feel it coming. Do you have the moments like that? So I, I understand what your professor did, but I don't go about it that way, but I understand it. Because when I when I was coming up, my professor used to used to be like super rough with the person that he's demonstrating mm. on, and I I didn't understand it until I became the professor because you're trying to show the effectiveness of the move, so you're not necessarily trying to be a dick, but like you're putting it on, like especially especially when you do the rear naked choke correctly, right? Like the way that John Danaher shows it, where you, where you're where you're like where you're like. Uh, you're like this, and you pull the the elbow that yeah. way. That shit's crazy. It comes on fast, and uh, you know demonstrating that is not is not it's not a walk in the park. No, it, so you just show, you're just showing the effectiveness of the move. Yeah, and that's and that's that's what he kind of tell me. He was like, I was just trying to show everyone, like I said, and I was like, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I felt like I was getting spanked in front of the class like I had did something wrong. You know I, I, mean? I must have not have been there that night because I would have loved That's that memory. Yeah, I was like, I was like, everyone looking at me, I was like, a tear about to come out my eyes. I'm like, what? what? That'd be another good reel. I was like, when you get your ass kicked in front of everyone, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what did I, <laughs> so how, how do you handle like when a blue or white belt in class is like trying to help? Like, let me rephrase it. How do you differentiate if someone's trying to help someone with the technique or trying to coach someone with the technique? Oh, you know what I'm saying? Question. Like, because there's plenty of times when like a, a white belt or blue belt is in class and they're like trying to critique how to do something. I'm like, mm, that's borderline. You're trying to coach right now. You know what I mean? Like, how do you differentiate that? Okay. So I, 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 I there's some white belts that I have. Well, white and blue belts, right. That try to do that. And I I talk to them to the side, right? Because it's like less talking, right? Let me do my job, you know. And that that goes into just being coachable as well, right? Because that's my biggest pet peeve is an uncoachable motherfucker. I cannot stand it. If I tell you that you're doing something wrong and your response is I know, it drives me. crazy crazy it's like if you knew it you would not be sounds like my 13 year old son i'm like you don't know that's what i'm telling you (laughs) (laughs) right but uh there was one day that i had i had one of my blue belts he was getting prepared for a competition so he was on like the air dine and he'll jump on the mat and he'll go right so one of my white belts he's a he's a competitor as well and you know he has good initiative bad judgment he loves jujitsu always sending us memes and shit and like always like he's really into it right so he just he means well right so he's like hey don't do it like this do it like this and and uh my blue belt was like yo with all due respect shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and i all i could do is laugh because i'm like yeah he shouldn't be coaching right now <laughs> 
maybe not the best thing to do as the leader, but I didn't care. I, it was it was real. It was like, man, like he probably should shut up. Right I mean, sometimes that's just the, you just gotta be blunt with it, right? Like you, you, so because yeah. now I'm pretty sure that person would probably never ever one coach that person again. And then two, they're like second yeah. guess, like am I about to bro, get told to shut? I'll the tell fuck them up? all. I have white belts ask me, hey, can you? I'm like, bro, don't ask me. I can't teach shit. I don't know shit. <laughs> I'm still trying to learn shit. Don't ask anyone else but me. Yeah, and like, even even our yeah. uh, the guy that owns our gym, be like, "Hey, man, can you help teach the kids class?" I'm like, "No, no, I can't. Like, I can't teach anything. I know my weaknesses, and I'm not a good teacher. Sorry." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit, I fucking we do the three, two, one clap, and I'm already forgot what I was supposed to be doing. I'm like, "Oh fuck, I'm in class." <laughs> You expect my dumb ass to teach you how to do that? Right. No, that ain't going to happen, man. You'd like me as a student. I'll tell yeah. the professor, like, look, man, you got to talk to me like I'm a dumb motherfucker. Like, break it down even more. Move my arm where you say it needs Barney to be. Barney style, baby. Yeah, yeah. Grab yeah. it and put it where it's no, supposed I, to be. I get it. <laughs> I get it. And also, uh, even though I'm the professor, right, I understand that there are some people in there that do things better than me. Like Desi, he does. He just loves the Darce choke, right? And that's his focus. He can darce people from just about anywhere at this point, right? If somebody asks me how to do a darce choke, I'm just, go ask them. <laughs> right. Right? Because I understand, like, he understands darce chokes way better than I do. Go ask him. So the being coachable thing is, like, I'm, I'm a black belt and I'm still coachable. Right? And he's like, you never, you never uh, get rid of that, like, that yearning to learn, like, it's always, you're always a student. That forever white belt mentality, like, I get it. Because, you know, you always want to learn. And if somebody could do it better than you, learn from that person. It doesn't matter what belt you are. Yeah, the last guy we just talked to, he he, talk, he spoke about that. He's like, it doesn't matter what your experience level in jiu-jitsu. You could be a, a coral belt or a, a brand new white belt. If you talk to each other long enough, there's going to be a moment where both of you learn something, right? Because there's things that people forget yeah. as a black belt that are day one brand new for white belts. And they're like, Hey, so why don't I just do this? And you're like, Oh shit. I completely forgot about that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why don't I just stand up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why it's cool to roll. Like granted, you know, sometimes you want to stay away from the bigger white belts, the spazzy ones, Woo! you know, a couple first dayers because you don't want to get injured, but also they're going to give you a different look. Right. So, and also speaking about that, right, you're going to, like that same concept, we had this uh, one white belt when I was a brown, and this dude loop choked the shit out of me. <laughs> and I was like, what did you just do? And apparently, his first night, he learned the loop choke, and that's all he practiced and all he did every single time he showed up on the mat. Because we were mostly geese school. My school right now is no oh, geese okay. school all day. You might as well be 10th planet for a lot though, but anyways, <laughs> um, he just was loop choking everybody. So I was like, yo, like, how did you do that? And he broke it down for me and I was like, okay, cool. Like if you focus on one technique like that, You'll you're going to know assassin. it so you can learn from the white yeah. what, what is Bruce, yeah. Bruce Lee's uh, quote? I don't fear the man that practiced 10,000 punches. I fear the man that practiced one punch 10,000 times. Right? Like. Yeah. But then again, I feel like if you just like we talk, I talked about this with one of my buddies. Like, there's some like blue belts out there that'll have like black belt technique of like an arm bar or something. But yeah. the second they're out of their element, it's like, well, it's easy game. Just don't don't put them in their element. You know what I mean? Well, it's easier said than done. Oh yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? But to your you were talking about how Desi is the Darce guy. 
at what belt are you throwing them to that person if they are you know that person you know what i mean like if it's a a blue belt like a experienced blue belt that just happened to be good at north south chokes and you're like look that dude crushes with north south chokes are you still going to throw him to the the blue belt even though he's a blue belt yeah 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 Yeah, for sure because you you've you've attained a level of mastery with Mm -hmm. that technique and you have something to show us all that's smart and i and, and with that mentality your ego doesn't get wrapped up into the rank because especially when I was in the Marine Corps, like I understood that you have to respect the man first, right? I'm dealing with grown people here. Now, also from the Marine Corps, there is a yeah. rank structure, right? So I do believe like, like sometimes I got to, I got to check people because I'm not, I'm not the, a, like a dictator type at all. I like to laugh and joke and smile and, and make jokes, but like, I can't just have like, Hey Drew, Hey Drew, Hey Drew. Like, yo, you better throw a cultural professor in there it, sometimes like, understand like yeah we're cool but i'm still a professor i still put the the time in on these mats to be respected as such no i i completely agree so, with that. yeah absolutely how do you work your promotions yeah. do you do like a test structure or is it just you think someone's ready i could just i i i could do it the way that i do it now because i have a small school so i just i see it like you just see when they evolve Right. I could just like I just look at them like my brother, for example, he was a blue belt for a while, but he just he has you know, attendance problem. You know, what I mean, he shows up sometimes. All right. He's the talent that refuses to work hard. <laughs> it's funny. I have, to, I, have I, I have my brothers that train jujitsu. Right. I have two. One of them is the talent that works hard. And the other one is the talent that refuses to work hard. Right. But the talent that works hard, he's my white belt. Like he's going to be one of the best white belts in the world. Like him, he, he has a double leg to a dart. That's nasty. Can't beat me though. But he's gonna be good. <laughs> I got, I got some really good white belt competitors. I got three that are just monsters. So, uh, what the fuck was I going to talk about? I, I forgot what I was going to say. Promotions. How do you do your promotions? Oh, promotions. Yeah. So I just, I see it. So my brother, the purple, the, he's a purple belt now. Um, he it just he went to Texas and he came back and he just started to chain techniques together. So I seen him go from like guillotine to triangle to omoplata back to triangle, trying wrist locks like constantly. And I was like, you know, I seen it one day and I'm like, hmm, what's going on here? So then I see him. So I, I start rolling with him and I'm like, he's like tapping my head and like, you know, making feints and stuff. And I was like, what you gonna do besides piss me off right now? And next thing I know, he does, he grabs my like wrist and pulls me and like he gets an inside trip. And that's my takedown. But the way that he set it up was was completely different from the way I take I do it. So he took me down. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> He's ready. <laughs> right. So so I'm like, okay, like, you know, that that was another thing in my head. And then I, and then I just kept watching him and it just, he kept over and over just being consistent with that constant attack. And so it was like, I seen his evolution. So it was like, he's a purple belt. You know what I mean? I can't take that away from him. He's a purple belt. So that's how I do promotions right now. Like I just, I could just tell. And if, especially if you go to competition, you start murdering everybody. And then we got visitors that you're murdering. It's like, all right, you're getting promoted. Oh no, the competitions and you're, when your students are getting ready, are you 
do you feel like they should always hunt the submission and then win by points on default or well, like what's your mindset there? Yeah. I, yes. I, I, I agree a hundred percent. Cause remember that first match that I told you about that, where I just took the dude down and mm-hmm. he destroyed me. All he kept doing was getting in half guard, knee sliding out <laughs> and getting right back in the half guard, knee sliding out, going into Mount. Let me get my half guard back. Knee slide. That's all he did. So he had like 30 points. Boring. But it was like boring yeah. as hell. I thought that was yeah. And, and no, I thought that was interesting because uh, when we were getting ready for a competition, uh, the the build up to it was a lot of points. They were like, "All right, we want you to hold this for three seconds. Hold this for three seconds. Hold this for three seconds." And in my brain, I was like, "I don't want to worry about holding anything for three seconds. I just want to get the submission. Like that's all I wanted to do." So I I get it. I find it interesting to hear how people go if they go in with the mindset of the, get the submission and if you win by points that's great but always try to hunt for that submission yeah yeah you, there's yeah, no debu- uh yeah. debating if you got submitted or not right like there's that meme going around where it's the guy talking to the chick he's like he's like well technically i lost by points but you know he's just like <laughs> you're always trying to you're trying to justify it. you get your ass choked out it's like no no i lost yeah he, he bettered me you know what i mean there's yeah, no <laughs> right. So what it, what does that look like in your school? Say you have a student that's getting ready to compete. What does it look like for your buildup with them? Are you like coaching them a little bit more? Like, hey, this is what I'm noticing, or is it kind of like you structure the whole class towards it? If you have multiple people, how do you how do you do that? So let's take the class for example. I'll we'll Shark Tank them. Like we'll condition them. We'll get them conditioned with everybody, right? hard competition training um and then i i i i see what they do like my white belt luke he is he got these these big old flippers right he has these (laughs) big ass feet that he'll sit guard and he'll just wrap them around the back of your knee and then somehow ends up in ashigarami and leg locks you right and if you happen to escape that and he ends up in close guard he's gonna triangle you right so he's just dangerous so it's like all right Bro, don't even worry about like trying to pass no guard. I mean, if you if you're up and you you need to pass, like I mean, pass the guard. But understand, like, don't sit there and try to wrestle with people. <laughs> sit down, put the flippers where they need to go. <laughs> get from me, like, and he's undefeated in the competition. I think he's like seven Damn, right now. a white so. belt. Nice. Yeah, and he looks he looks good. You know, um. So so. With that being said, it's like me as the coach seeing what they do well and just having them double down on that and then taking them through sequences like, okay, what are you focused on? All right. Then I see them do it, you know, make some tweaks and, you know, and then, you know, just coaching them mentally. Right. Because it's like, I I don't, I, I don't like it when I hear people like, yeah, we're going to war. Right. Because like, you know, we've been to war before. That shit ain't fun. It's fun. <laughs> Right. And then I think it puts you in the wrong mindset because like if you're if you're thinking about a war, that's life and death. And if you go into a jiu-jitsu competition, life and death over a little five dollar medal is not worth it. Right. It's like go out there, have fun, test yourself, give it all you got. And once you step off those mats, win or loss, we're gonna love you anyway. Yeah, what's the saying? You don't you never you either win or learn or whatever. How do you feel about that yeah. saying? Do you do you think that or do you like you absolutely lose. Like you should take the loss on the chin and then learn from it. No, no, no. It's you want to learn. Yeah, that's that, that's yeah. interesting to me. It's like 
Because even in class, well, there's no someone. Someone once told us like there's no winner losing in class, right? You're you're you get, everyone's there learning, like. But competition is where you, you like win or learn or whatever. Like, yeah. So if you have someone in class that's like going a little too hard, or they have an ego, or they're you know getting down on themselves because they're not making that progression, what do you, how do you coach them to be okay with that then? So, so like a person that that's like down, like they feel like they're in a rut. Yeah. I just tell them like to 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 find something new that gets them excited. Like that's what I do with myself. Because you think like just being on the mats for so long, like you need things to constantly keep you excited. Like it's a relationship. Like you have a relationship with jujitsu, and you have to water it and nurture it, just like any other relationship. So, it's like, let's say like with Lucas, for example, how his thing is is straight ankle lock and triangles. Like, all right, well, what is the, what is an arm bar and an omoplata look like for you? You know, you're about to get your blue belt. All right. So let's start incorporating heel hooks. Like go start watching all these heel hook videos and, you know, just get excited about learning something new. Cause that's how you get over plateaus. Having a goal, right? We always talk about people, blue belt blues are just because you have a lack of direction. You feel like you're and you're comparing yourself to other people and whatnot. But if you start setting small incremental goals, you can start overcoming that. Like, I just want to learn to heel hook. I just want to learn to 50-50. Retain my yeah, guard. Retain your guard. I mean, that's probably my biggest thing right now is uh, in class, if we play like open guard, I'm like, this motherfucker's passing this shit real quick. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> bro, <laughs> I am terrible I at this shit. <laughs> I hear you. Yo, all you got to do is just remember if they get your head, you're dead. That, that. All all you do is like when they're coming around, for the most part, they just want to get your head with their their bicep. So you just got to just post on that. So you post on the bicep and just make sure that they don't get your head. And then like, you know, get your frames. And then one thing that Gordon Ryan says to do is like, instead of pushing your frame into them, you just go up towards your head. It makes them real light. So if you just... Yeah, so I so the way that I coach my guys is like I have them grab the bicep, and then let the person on top fall into their frames, and then just push them up, and then get your knee in. It works, damn, it works every time. And so like if you're trying to pass my guard, I'm not worried about shit. I'm just looking for your arm, and I just post on it. Well, I hope nobody listened to that. <laughs> I was like, that beautiful thing about doing this podcast, we have privates yeah, all the we're time, gonna, bro. We're gonna edit that. We're gonna edit that part out and just keep that to ourselves. This is not going to be the Instagram reel that I'm. <laughs> so we mentioned earlier about speaking of Instagram reels, like you've been posting a lot of reels, and then I read your descriptions whenever you post one, and it kind of goes into like how to grow on Instagram and social media. You want to go a little bit deeper into that, like what makes a good reel starting off? Like what makes a good reel? Because you have some goddamn good ones, I'll tell you that. There's some of these are hilarious, man. <laughs> Thank you. So I, the number one thing when it comes to a reel is to be yourself. Okay. So I know one of your questions on there was like, should like white and blue belts be showing techniques on, on, on Instagram, right? Yes, I do show techniques in my reels. But I said in one of my captions, yo, you don't go on IG looking to learn jujitsu. Like if you really want to learn from a video, go invest in the money and go buy John Danaher or Gordon Ryan's DVD, right? You're going to get the most in-depth information from that. They're going to break it down Barney style. Me, you're going to come to my page for entertainment. <laughs> the main thing, right? I like to be funny. I like to be fun, you know? And and so 
the number one thing is just to be yourself, right? Which is why, like, like I'll be acting and I'll just be doing stupid shit. You know what I mean? My girl's triangling me in that last one I did. Yeah, today, I saw that right? one. Yeah, yeah. It's I have fun because I like to have fun. So it's like I have to. I I love jujitsu and I love to have fun, and that's the most that you're gonna get from my reels, right? So be yourself. The second thing is use trending audio, right? The, the and you know what the trending audio is like by on the bottom left corner where it has the song you'll see the the little music icon or an arrow pointing up like this if there's an arrow pointing up like that that means that there's a lot of people using it that means that it's trending and it'll give your video a chance to get more views right so use a trending audio or an audio that fits your your video perfect so the one that the one I posted with my girl with the triangle it it has like twenty six thousand views and it's only this is this is, it hasn't even been twenty four hours, mm-hmm. right? Spreading like wildfire because the Stevie Wonder song uh, I can't uh, it it isn't she lovely, yes. right? It's like here she is trying to strangle me. It's like isn't she lovely, <laughs> right? For that the song just goes perfect with it. The people liked it, so naturally they're gonna interact with it more, right? Because you want to get people to interact with your stuff. Right. So there's so you can you can have a reel that you like. Right. That you just love and you post it and it gets like 200. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Then you have a reel that like you don't even like that. You just you just did because you had to post something. And next thing you know, that thing has like 300,000 views. And you're like, holy shit. Then you get the ones that you like and the people like. And that's the gold. Cause I have a video that that uh, has 1.7 million views Dang. right now. Yeah, and it was just it was just me doing a a skit from the Chappelle show where he's like, "I'm one of the baddest motherfuckers alive. I'm one of the best singers. You know, hold my drink, bitch." <laughs> and I did it, and, and the caption I used was like, uh, "When uh, when you get your first stripe on your white like <laughs> And I had a bottle of water in my hand. I got my belt tied all fucked up. Like I, made, I, I put a white belt. Right? And then when it's like, hold my drink, bitch, like I put, I put the, the water bottle. Yo, that thing, first of all, I was the one that put that audio on Instagram. So it's like, it's just like Drew Phoenix original audio. Like I took it from YouTube, I put it on Instagram. And, you know, the thing that gets people to, to share, right, it's relatable. Okay. But also nostalgia. Nostalgia is like jet fuel onto, on, on, on relatable shit. So that Chappelle show is like, we all remember the Chappelle show. We all love it. So not only does that video have 1.7 million views, but it's been a trending audio for the last like two Dang. months. Right. So whatever I did, like that video right there is a perfect example. Like I cracked the code with that one. Right. I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to reinvent <laughs> that. But it'll come, you know? It's funny because uh, one of the reels I recently saw I thought was freaking hilarious. I think actually it's uh, someone at your gym. Uh, she she did she was like taking someone's back and she like hooks their arm and she's like I'm just gonna scoot in here and then she like scoots a little bit closer. She's like we've been trying to connect with you about your cars. Like, oh no, that was me. Yeah, 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 that that was so freaking funny, man. I told my wife about that one and she's like I don't really get it. I was like I I know you don't really get it, but it's jujitsu and it's funny. <laughs> And I, and I put, like, when you catch a troll in real life. <laughs> <laughs> right, because people can relate to that. It's like, yo, like, if you, like some of these internet trolls be be brave. 
they and it's like yo you could tell you were bullied in school like you're like you're hiding me in no posts no nothing no picture and you're just sitting here talking shit kevin holland just uh took up a i don't know if you saw it kevin holland from the ufc he just took up a troll that was dming him like why are you dodging me you may be a black belt i'll tap yeah, you blah 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 I love that. and uh kevin holland said how'd it started and then went to like a video of them in a cage and no geeing it up and just choking the shit out of this guy right and he's like how it ended i was like well you gotta understand, like some people are the real thing. Like they, like you could try to be the internet tough guy all you want, but <laughs> yeah. But when it comes time, yeah, I had, yeah, I had a troll yesterday. It was like, it was like, oh, uh, you'll still get stiffed in a in a real fight though. And then I and I just said, pull up, <laughs> right? You know, I tag my school. Like I tell these, just just show up. Like you want your ass whipped that bad? <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah. I like to see her get in the fucking battle of words with you on the internet. Like, you could show up, you sign the waiver, we could go. It's so funny you mentioned that so, because we had a buddy who was a senior chief. He's an E8, in, well, he's a master chief now, but at the time he was an E8 in the Navy and he was at our school. And uh, he was going to like the end of the day meeting with all of his sailors. And he's like, hey, so, you know, this is how it is, blah, 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 blah. And if you have a problem with that, uh, you can meet me at Pacific Northwest Jiu Jitsu at 6 p.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> And a motherfucker showed up, got his ass whooped. <laughs> Never did. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> yeah. He showed up, though. Yeah, he showed yeah. up. And he was like, he's like, all right, senior, I'll catch you later, bro. <laughs> yeah. Show up, sign the waiver, and we can could, we could handle this like some grown-ass man. Like, come on. It's, it's funny you mentioned the, the internet yeah. trolls, too, because uh, I follow Mason Fowler, and he talks about uh, all the time, he's like, yeah, I have, like, white belts, blue belts with, like, BJJ in their, their tag. Talking about how I'm oh. doing, like my techniques wrong. Like, I will literally murder you in real life. You know what I mean? Like, how how soon yeah. should someone put BJJ in their tag on Instagram? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even have BJJ. In my name. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Uh, it's it's. I see what he's saying yeah. though. Right, but I I think the BJJ thing because I think a jujitsu dummies asked this from somebody too, and it was like. I don't know, man. Like he, like I don't, I have, I don't have it in my mind. So, it, it, it's like, it's like the boots that that get the Marine Corps oh. tattoos in MOS school. It's like, what are you gonna tell them? They're they're in the Marine. They're a Marine. You know what I mean? They could get their big old eagle of an anchor. You know, like it's it's one of those things. I don't know. It's, yeah, that's somebody smarter than me. It's it's funny you mentioned that too because was, in, in the like, navy, I see you wearing those with those big old tats, and I'm like, mm, I don't know, man. That's the same thing that comes on my computer screen at work. <laughs> you know when you log in? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> the tattoo. Think about you know when you oh, log yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so navy, when we log navy. in at work, where, no, no, look, we're civilian navy, right? So when we log in at work, yeah. they have the big navy anchor. Yeah. And I see all these sailors walking around with the same tattoo. I want to be like, look, man, I can't believe you got that tattooed on you. But in the Navy, too, what you do is yeah. you'll get on the inside of your hand uh, between your pointer finger and your thumb. You'll get your your like job logo right when you hit like a certain point. I'll see people coming out of like boot camp, like finishing a school and they're getting the their logo tattooed on the inside. I'm like, dude, you haven't finished your first contract yet. Yeah, it's about to get kicked out for this. Like, <laughs> then what are you going to do? You ain't you ain't a lifer now. <laughs> <laughs> so but i think yeah. instagram right now is especially with reels even instagram talks about how big they're blowing up because they're trying to compete with like tiktok or whatever do you re do you have a tiktok yeah. and do you reuse yours through all the platforms okay 
so 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 good good question right so now going back to what you said about about you know about the reels do not use your tiktok videos on reels mm. because instagram is in direct competition with them so if they see the the tiktok watermark you're not going to get that many views because the thing about reels is instagram is trying to find content for their audience not an audience for your content okay so when you look at it from that perspective you what it does is it, it shoots out your video to 50 people and it sees what it does and if people save it saving is number one and i want to caveat real quick stop asking your homies to share your shit right if anybody is listening to me right now like i absolutely cannot stand it and, and it's not that like i don't want to support you like yes i want to support you but the numbers that i'm doing i have not asked a single soul to share my shit because i it's like a challenge for yeah, me same it's like if i do a good enough job and it's relatable enough and i got all the, the things checked and you know people really feel it they're gonna share it and not to ask nobody to do anything they're gonna share it right now if you want to like drive up your interactions and you really like want your homies to support you, what you can ask them to do is just save it because none of us go back to our save thing anyway. Right. So if you want them to save it, because saving counts towards the most, um, like, let's say like, there's like a scale of like how much things count, like likes or like nothing. Like they're like, yeah, they're good, but they're not nothing. And then comments and then it shares and then it saves. Mm. Right. Cause for whatever reason, Instagram wants you to make savable content. Right. So stop asking your homies, ask them to save, but focus on you and making good content. People will share it. Strangers will share it. All right. So it goes out to 50 people. See how they interact with it. Then it goes out to 100. See how they interact with it. And as long as every then they like push out to 500, then a thousand, like as long as people are interacting with it, the numbers are going to go up. Right. Now, another thing people have to be weary of is hashtags. Right, the days of using thirty hashtags are not here anymore. Yeah, who uses that many hashtags anymore? <laughs> right, <laughs> you notice my reels—they have around five. Okay, because you're confusing the algorithm. Uh, you just it, 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 like how we're in like the like you guys are in a podcast niche, right? So the first thing you need to be hashtagging is hashtag podcast. Okay, and then that's probably gonna have like millions of 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 uh videos on it right so hashtag podcast hashtag uh jujitsu podcast then hashtag jujitsu hashtag uh mma and then hashtag whatever the fuck the video is about or veterans or whatever you get what i'm saying like the first three have to be niche specific they don't always have to be the same but the first three need to be niche specific and then the last two very general right you can whatever like like this one you could say like marine vet like after your first three main ones you could say like marine vet and like uh black belt or something like that but stay away from like like the hashtag like hashtag uh for you page and shit like that unless you're on on tiktok but if you're on if you're on instagram using the hashtag for you page it's not really gonna do nothing for you you just don't confuse the damn algorithm so in our our I feel like our reels I usually do uh I try to make them kind of maybe I over edit them because I try to make them like 
one minute long YouTube videos, you know what I'm saying? Like, like B roll and funny accents and text on screen and stuff like that. And I feel like some of ours have, I mean, the highest I think we have is like 6,400 views and it's like almost a hundred likes, which for us is like dope. Like it's good for us. Um, but I'm like, like maybe people aren't interacting with it because it's not as relatable. I'm trying to do like a podcast clip in the real, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I'm just over editing it. Maybe I should just leave it as a cut out the ums and ahs and the spaces and just leave it at that. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to figure out how do we can do ours better too. Or you could do that, add captions and make it short. Right? Like you notice the one I do with my girls is like it's 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 extremely short. And uh so like bite size, like you want like seven seconds is like the magic, the magic number, right? So it's like me like saying like my white belts no heel hooks. Be- I mean I, I heel hook white belts because my white belts no heel hooks, right? That's like a like a nice little sound bite. You make a reel with that. You hashtag ha- get your five hashtags. Write like a, a caption that's gonna get people talking. Like should you should you teach white belt no, heel? I'm gonna hooks? have to clip this and then just <laughs> send it out. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. That's a good reel for you guys. It just send it out just yeah. like that. I, I I teach my white belt heel hooks because my white belt's no heel yeah, hooks. It, it's, I watch a lot of like videos on YouTube and stuff like that talking about like how to grow your uh, – because of Instagram reels. And the, like, you, like we keep talking about, Instagram is like the new big thing right now because they're trying to compete with TikTok. So they're really promoting them quite a bit. And they talk about how you should do native aspect ratio. You shouldn't do like a you know, uh, 1080p – like if I were to take the video and it's black space above, black space oh. below, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's not, it doesn't yeah, fill the screen. Like they talk about, uh, you're like completely lost right now. I'm like, man, you just keep talking. <laughs> but you know, the, all this like, so, plays into it. It's just a very interesting topic to me. Yeah. So my, my girl helped me out with that one because she was sh- showing me how like when you have the black bars and people are scrolling, Right, your video, your video doesn't like the vid, the black bars are there, so it's easier for them to just scroll right past it. When it's like when it's taking up the whole screen, it's like they're scrolling, but they're looking, looking. And you have a chance to catch their attention for more for a longer period of time. I mean, it's it's a couple seconds, but it's it's better for the for the user to to catch. Yeah, and it's stuff. like it shows a little bit more effort in my eyes too. Like you're not just like copy and pasting and putting it out there just to me you know what i mean like it yeah. shows a little bit more effort and i think i put too much effort in our reels but some of them i think are freaking hilarious i'm like this is great because it's all just podcast clips but i'm like this makes it this makes yeah. a good uh a good thing like the biggest one we had for a while was talking about how uh jujitsu belts are irrelevant and that got people kind of fired up you know what i mean they're like they're like, yeah. they're like, excuse me, my blue belt means something. I'm like, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, that's awesome. What did what did what did, what did the Gracie say? Is like, it only the belt only uh, covers two inches yeah. of your ass. You need to. Yeah. yeah. And, sure. and another thing is, we have a YouTube video right now that's at uh, like almost thirteen thousand views on YouTube. Nice. And you know what it's about? About how stupid jujitsu warm ups are, and uh, and. Dude, people like they're going. I think like, that one's got the most uh, conversation around it, bro. It, it has also almost like two hundred. It has like almost two hundred. And I also uh, reply to every single comment, whether good or bad. And yes. uh, but it has like almost two hundred yes. comments, right? Even on Instagram, I reply to every single person, whether they're trying to troll or whatnot. Um, yes. And dude, like people are like going to war in these comments about jujitsu warm ups. 
do you let, let's let's i just want to ask this question how do you do your warm-ups is it like jiu-jitsu specific or is, is it, a, it like is a, it a gen- crossfit workout or is it jiu-jitsu that's what i want to know are we doing 600 push-ups <laughs> if we drop in like i ain't trying to do that shit dude i'm just- <laughs> I, I actually overheard my purple books. Also, oh, they were right? skipping more of us. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's a universal thing. <laughs> they love me because they was like, "Man, Drew doesn't even do warm ups." Like, so they show up to class on time because I, I do warm ups with jujitsu. I, I don't for a beginners class. Like, yeah, you should be shrimping and rolling and doing all that craziness. But you know, for the advanced guy, it's like, bro, if you don't know it by now, you're not going to get it. So let's just focus on jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm not a warm up person, but I have a female black belt at my gym. Right. And she teaches and she's very traditional with like her style. Like she run, makes them run and she makes them, but she, I, I she took over all my gi classes. Right. Cause you know, you know the, I don't fuck those problems, Right. <laughs> she took over all the gi the gi classes right and uh you know so you know when you have the gi on and the belt like it's more traditional so yeah like warm up and do those crazy that craziness in the gi but when you do it some no gi man go warm up with some like leg lock drills or some wrestling and you know do do something Bro, fun that's, that's like a deciding factor for me now i'm gonna go watch warm-ups do i want to go to this place or this place like that, that's where it's at well we're in japan <laughs> oh i hooked you in yeah, quick well, we're in japan uh the the purple belt that was leading the class he he was like, look, if you guys want to warm up, you, you should probably show up 15 minutes early because we ain't doing that shit. We're jumping straight into technique. And I was like, and so when we came back to, to America, the homeland, I'm sitting here running a mile and a half in a circle doing yeah. 30 push-ups. I'm like, so, fuck this. I'm like, I'm like, my fat ass tired as hell now, bro. <laughs> and yeah. then people like people in the comments, they're like, like, oh. You know, I'm I'm 55 years old. I need my ass to warm up. You know, I can't just jump straight into technique. And I'm like, well, show up early to class. Someone did not like that. Let me tell you, I told someone they need to show up earlier to class. And they're like, do you know what I do for a living? Like, no, I don't actually. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, to me, I need as much practice as possible when it comes to technique. And every little bit to me counts. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have ADHD. I barely pay attention half the time anyways. Like, doing a podcast, I'm, I'm yeah, right doing a podcast is hard as hell. Like, I'm, like, sitting here trying to focus, like... <laughs> <laughs> but it's like i need i need as much practice as possible and doing like an arm drag to like a back take or passing the guard you know just slow like toriando passes or whatever to me that shit like works mm-hmm. great like i feel super warm by the end of that or like knee slicing or whatever but yeah. I, there some days like our school is a traditional warm-up it's because cody are the gym owner He's a he owns the mm-hmm. other side of our school, which is a CrossFit gym, which started everything. So he's big into fitness, and so we'll do running around the mats. We'll do like a ten minute warm up, and I'm okay with like a ten minute warm up. That's not too bad for an hour and a half class. It's not too bad. But man, I've heard some horror stories. Well, my favorite warm up that we've ever done is uh, Sean had us roll for the first twenty minutes of class, five minute rounds. That was my favorite warm up I- I've ever done. And you get it out the way because you know how you're always like, like just ready yes. to roll, right? And so that that was one thing that I learned. I forgot who I learned. That. It was somebody on YouTube that talked about that. I was like, I felt genius. like I was in mental zen. So sometimes what I do, yeah. And sometimes what I do is I just I'm like I'm forcing you guys to uh, to 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 roll light. So you catch something, release it, and just flow through the position. Flow and, and granted, I got to repeat myself a thousand times while they're trying to do it, you know. But 
it actually gets them the flow roll and gets them to warm up and you got the roll out of the way. So now they're more receptive to the technique. They're not just looking forward to rolling. So there's genius in that. Yeah, people people talk about how you you need to warm up because I I don't I don't like this this argument, but they talk about how you need to warm up and you need to get tired before class because that way you focus more on technique when it comes to rolling. And I understand what they're trying to get at, but to I don't know, I feel like you shouldn't have people doing 100 push-ups, 600 sit-ups, you know, like like that there's a little bit of No, make you do 50 arm bars. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, that's the best workout Hell ab yeah, workout I've can. like abs hips oh, yeah. i'm like sure. i'm like bro i'm about to go wash some clothes on these things you know what i'm saying oh my dog just came in here What's <laughs> up, dude? that's my dog hold on a second let me get him out of here hey hey oh good hey so so while he while he's away i'm gonna um talk about something else with go for the reels right so trending hopping on trends right so you see you see so I was just talking about another thing with the reels while you were gone. Um, hopping on trends. So there's 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 trends that you'll see. Like you'll be doing on the Explore page or the For You page on TikTok. And you see people doing the same kind of video over and over and over and over. Right? Incorporate those trends in your niche. So my first video that got over 100,000 views it was a trend where, you, you know that song, There's Somebody That I no. Used To Know. Yeah, Gaio, yeah. I think it was. So yeah. like, yeah, so 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 the beginning of the song goes, dun, 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 So the trend was like looking, like you're making your eyes move, right? <laughs> so my thing said, when when you ask the, how a black belt looks when you ask them to roll, right? So I was just like, I was like, dun, dun, <laughs> yeah, like just I remember that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People got so pissed. But what I did is I knew that that was going to get people pissed off, right? And then I just made sure in the caption, I was like, yeah, but I don't do this at my school, but it's an old tradition. Like, what do you guys think about it? Should you, is it really disrespectful to ask a black belt to roll, right? So you have people trying to light me up in the <laughs> comments. And I'm just like, read the caption, read the caption. That's not what I do at my school. Read the caption. Read the cat all day. So it just drove my interactions through the roof and it got up to like 207,000. That was my first one to really hit. And um, yeah, so 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 the premise of that is like I hopped on a trend and I made what I did with the trend, I made it like controversial. Because these social media platforms love controversy because it drives interactions yeah. through the roof. So what you guys did, so what you did with the warm-up thing, you know what I did with the whole belt thing? Like you, we start touching on those topics, and people like get people fired up, and you hop on a trend. Like your video, your views are gonna shoot through the roof. Yeah, that that one was really funny. I I shared one today, and it was like black belts in 2022, and it was like, hey, professor, you want to roll? He's like, yeah, by all means, man. And they they roll, and he get, the white belt catches in the armbar. He's like, man, you're getting so much better, and it's like. Asking a professor to roll in 1996. <laughs> it was like, hey, professor, you want to roll? He's like, do you see what's around my waist? He's like, I'm going to make you regret ever asking me. And he's like, beats the shit out of this white belt. And he's like, don't you ever ask me to roll again. You know who I am? I'm your professor. And I was like, man, I've heard some horror stories. Yeah. Like people were actually like that back in the day. But it's relatable, right? Like it's. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, up. really? That's how you came up too? You don't ask a black belt to roll? Let me have asked Cyborg to roll. You would have whooped my ass like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? you're like you're like no i'm not gonna do that with you I, i'll choke you i'll choke uh, you for five minutes straight how about that <laughs> yeah. 
But then, like, when I hit, like, high-level blue and purple, I used to walk by the higher belts and be like, I'm not asking the role. I'm just... I'm just the very stretching all of a sudden. You're like, hey, you guys got anyone? (laughs) Yeah. But now, no, I don't do that. Now, like, in my school, the way that I run it is like, yo, like, you have the first right of refusal, right? Somebody asks you to roll and you don't want to, like, if they're a higher belt, like they, you can, you, cause you know, most higher belts, like they're trying to get ready for competition or whatever, or, like their body's broken and they're not going to really want to roll with like that, that, that super spazzy white belt. Like that's cool. You know, they have first right of refusal, but that whole, like it's disrespectful to ask them to roll. It's like, eh. yeah, that's something I never even knew about when I, I first joined. Like there's some traditions that I still hold that we learned when we first started. Like I turn my back to my instructor when I'm tying my belt, bow on and off. You do that too? No, that that thing. So that came up, right? Because remember, my my the, the female black belt in my school, Juliana. She somebody was tying their belt like facing her, and she was like, "Okay, guys, like I know you guys don't really like not too, too traditional here, but if you go to another school, you have to turn your back to the instructor while you're tying your belt." So then, me and my cousin, or no, me and Desi, I think we had a, we had a conversation about this, and it was like, "Okay, like I understand that's that's old tradition, but." Wouldn't it be more disrespectful turning your back to your instructor? That's true. Like I would consider that more disrespectful. Like I'm sitting here talking, and you're turning around to tie your belt. Like no, nah. right? That's <laughs> so, a good point. I didn't even think about but that. The bowing on and off the mat thing. Yeah, and the bowing off and off and on the mat thing. Like I think that that's good. yeah. I've I've seen some schools where they talk about you have to have rash guard, long leg rash guard, long long arm rash guards, um, no talking. Uh, like a whole bunch of like crazy things. I'm like, man, I would get kicked out of this school so fast because I'm like, you, I'm joking. Like we start warm ups and like, damn, this shit sucks already. Like right behind my professor. You know, what I'm I think <laughs> I think the most vocal thing we saw and that's old school, and I've only seen it maybe once or twice. Oh, is yeah. no rolling near a high belt, like or you, moving you, out of the way for a higher belt. Like uh, I've literally seen class stop so they could yell at them for being near them. Do you yell like, higher belt if if a white belt, two white belts tap you? That's the real question. Do, are you stopping and you no. looking at them like like higher belt? Get your ass out the way. I don't know what I what, what I say. I say <laughs> this is what I do. I'm, a dick. I'm like like let's say I'm with one of my like purple belts or something. I'm like, hey, black plus purple equals get the fuck out of my way. Right. So I, I do that, and then if they say, and then I'm like, if you don't like it, get promoted. Ah, like, yeah, I, I yeah, that that's funny. Too. But I, I do it as like more of a joke. Yeah. Like as long as we're being respectful, I'm gonna joke. It's when it when the line starts getting blurred and they get like a little too like I have to check them. But other than that, like like I just tell them, hey, black plus blue, just get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> yeah, I, I I joke around now. I'm like I'm like higher belt. You see these two stripes on me, bro? You better get out my damn way. Like I don't even care if you have another That's blue right. belt. Move. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But hey, John, you got anything else for Drew? Uh, real quick, do you watch movies? Are you a movie buff or anything? Have you watched the Have you watched watch the Art of Self Defense on Hulu? You got to watch. Oh it. man, it's a dark comedy and it's got a lot of jujitsu in it. You got to watch that one. The Dude, it's so funny because you're gonna watch this and you're gonna remember. You're gonna remember this podcast and then you're gonna go watch it and you're gonna be like, "I want to come back on just to talk about this movie." It oh, makes oh. it's a martial <laughs> art movie that makes fun of like all the stupid traditions we have in martial arts, 
it is so freaking funny, man. It is. It's really good, especially when it comes to promotion. There's a whole scene yeah, in there. The about, whole time like, we're talking to him, I was like, God, I, I hope he's seen this movie. And if he hasn't, I have to tell him yeah, to go watch it. Wait, wait until it. promotion night in the movie. It is hilarious, man. It's really good. So art is self-defense. It's it's really good. So but not, art is self-defense. Nothing, right, else, nothing else. Hey, Andrew, I just want to thank you, let you go. We've been going at this for a while now. Holy crap, I didn't even realize it, man. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah. You get to connect with, with like-minded yeah. people and have some good laughs. My face kind of hurts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to like, stop smiling so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, if people want, uh, yeah, if, great, if people want to follow you and, and see these, uh, these fantastic reels that you create, where, where can they find you at? <laughs> uh, at Drew underscore Phoenix on instagram or just drew phoenix on all the other platforms i got a youtube that i got too you know just drew phoenix drew phoenix everywhere d-r-u and then p-h-o-e-n-i-x that's where you can find me make sure you make sure you save all this shit i don't want to forget (laughs) i wanted to tell him your name reminded me of someone um local to washington and you'll probably want to google this but we had a a amateur mma fighter that used to dress up like batman and he was uh, the Phoenix, mm-hmm. and he would go and intervene in Seattle and stop crime. So he did this for two or three years where he's, like, straight up patrolling Seattle. A real vigilante. Yeah, this is a few years ago, and, like, whooping ass on the streets of Washington. But you should look it up. It's pretty funny. Yeah. He was uh, – I don't know if he had jiu-jitsu. He, he, was an, he was an amateur MMA guy, but he was a big guy. So you should look him up. He retired and the Chaz happened, so obviously yeah, he, he yeah. was doing good for a little bit. Oh, <laughs> So, yeah. but hey, Drew, thanks so much again for coming on the show today. Thanks, John, for thanks hanging for out. Me. Man, it was a, it was a blast. I can't wait to see all the interactions of this one. Probably, probably some people are going to light yeah. up the comments on it. But it's it's a- <laughs> so trolls. I'm waiting for you. Let's go. <laughs> so thank you guys for at home for listening and watching. And uh, remember, yeah. no oil checks here. Oops, don't yeah, clo- no. don't close the browser. Don't close the browser yet. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, and no heel hooks in the gear. <laughs>